Hello and welcome to Dear Franny. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. I'm a recovered lawyer turned love and life coach. And this podcast is the place where I talk all things love and true love from dating and relationships to manifesting a life that you love. Thank you for being here. Hi, welcome to today's show. So today's episode is about attachment styles. And this isn't something that I've ever tackled before on the podcast, but I have thoughts, as you probably won't be surprised to know if you are familiar with me and with the show. It seems like it's time to talk about attachment styles. So in case you are unfamiliar with the concept of attachment styles, or maybe you don't know which attachment style you have, there is a great book called Attached. The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And it's a great book. And even if you don't want to read the whole book, you can go to the website attachedthebook.com and you can take a quiz which will tell you your attachment style. So I want to put that out there up front at the top of this episode in case you want to pause and just go and at least discover what your attachment style is. And so there are three primary attachment styles, which I'll explain briefly. So I'll just give you the background of attachment theory and why it's something that we even know about and we talk about in the context of relationships. So attachment theory is something that was originally developed decades ago in relation to children and the development of children and basically how easy or difficult it was for a small child, like for a, a toddler, to explore, to play, and to learn without having their secure base, meaning the person to whom they are most attached, present or not. So there is a very old classic study called the Strange Situation Test, and you can look this up online. There's lots of examples of it, lots of papers written about it. It's been replicated many times, where basically the premise is you take a toddler and their parent. And you put them in a room with all these toys. And there's also like a helpful assistant. So there's just someone who's there to just, this is part of the study, obviously, who's there, someone who's friendly. And, you know, the child seems very comfortable in the presence of this person, but also their parent is there. And they're playing with the toys. And then at some point, the parent, once the child is very engaged with the toys and having so much fun, the parent gets up and walks out of the room. So in this instance, all of the babies, once they realize that their parent is gone, start crying. They crawl to the door. They want their parent back, understandably. So then the parent comes back into the room. This is, again, all part of the study. And essentially, they found that the kids had one of three primary reactions. Either they were happy to see their parent, the parent was able to you know, pick them up to comfort them, and they would stop crying and they get very excited about the toys again and go back to playing. That was one scenario. Another response to this scenario was that the child would be upset. All of the kids are crying. So that's the important part here. So every child is upset. Every child is crying. Every child is distraught by their parent leaving the room. So another outcome is the parent comes back into the room and then the child sees the parent stops crying, and then turns their back on the parent and then just goes back to playing and basically refuses to interact with a parent, okay? And then the last scenario, the last outcome is the parent comes back in the room, the child goes to the parent to be comforted, just like the first outcome, but this time, no matter how much the parent holds them, kisses them, comforts them, 
the child can never calm down sufficiently to go back to playing. They just can't ever regulate and sort of settle down. So these three responses were labeled as the first one was secure. So this was a securely attached child is basically the idea. I'm the one who they're upset when their parent leaves because everyone is. But then when the parent comes back, they're able to be comforted and then to go back to doing what they were doing and everything is fine. Then there is the child who is avoidantly attached. And that's the child who they're obviously upset like all the other kids. But when the parent comes back into the room, rather than going to that parent and allowing themselves to be comforted, they withdraw and they kind of say, you know, okay, you're here, but I'm ignoring you. And I'm going to pretend that I wasn't upset that you were gone. And then the final one is the one where the child is really unable to be comforted. They can't ever return to that state of play. And this is considered to be a more anxious attachment style. So attachment theory for many years was used only to talk about children and childhood development. In more recent decades, it started to be expanded to adult relationships. So that's the foundation. That's where they come from. And then the fourth style is basically, it's called disorganized. So it's sort of a combination of anxious and avoidant. So kind of like flip-flops back and forth between those two, which I actually think is very common because I think that, well, I don't just think this. If you look into this, if you read the book attached, if you read any of the literature about the subject, anxiously attached and avoidantly attached are really two sides of the same coin. I have a way of thinking about this that's inspired by my friend Amari Ice. He's Prince Amari on all the socials. If you want to check him out, A-M-A-R-I. He's awesome. Amari is a relationship coach and a matchmaker, particularly for gay men, but everything applies to everyone, especially when it comes to this sort of thing. So attachment styles. One way to think of it is that people who are more anxiously attached have a high tolerance for intimacy and a low tolerance for separation from their partner. People who are more avoidantly attached have a high tolerance for separation and a lower tolerance for sustained intimacy. And people who are more securely attached have both a high tolerance for intimacy and also a high tolerance for separation. And then people who are more disorganized are people who kind of flip-flop between being more anxious and more avoidant based on the setting, which I think is very common. And, you know, a lot of people are focused on attachment styles in the context of long-term relationships, obviously, but I really like to focus on it in the context of dating because that is my focus, is helping people with dating and getting into those long-term relationships. And I think that understanding attachment theory and how it works is very empowering. It's very helpful to understand yourself and to understand other people a little bit better. However, one of the very big pitfalls that I see is people overly, quote, attaching to their attachment style. So meaning they start to identify very strongly, oh, I'm avoided, I'm attached, I'm anxiously, you know, this. And it's like, well, that's not who you are. That might be a familiar pattern for you or a tendency for you in your relationships, but it's not who you are. And that's the first point that I really want to make here is that even if you do resonate with being more avoidant or being more anxious or being more disorganized or even being secure, it's not who you are. It's a tendency that you have in relationships. And it's also in the context of dating going to really determine a lot of who you're attracted to. And it's going to determine a lot of how you respond to the people that you're dating with. So I consider myself to be a recovering avoidant. 
and <laughs> recovering avoidantly attached. And I have become much more secure in my attachment style over time with awareness, right, of even understanding, oh, okay, yeah, I do pull back. I do withdraw. I do have this tendency to sort of shut down when I feel too exposed, when things feel a little bit too scary. And I had this realization that, well, there's some guys who they like me and I'm excited that they like me and I like them too. But then it starts to feel like a lot of pressure. It feels like they're looking to me like they're always wondering, well, are you okay? And how do you feel? And and I'm like, I feel fine. But they were unable to really take in the fact that like, no, I really like you. I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm hanging out with you. It was a little bit more challenging for them to take that in. So the part of me that feels, well, I love intimacy, but I have a low tolerance for this level of sustained intimacy because it starts to feel like, oh, it's all consuming. And actually, let me, I want to read this really quick. So this is from the book, Attached, the book that I referenced earlier. This is just a very simple way that they describe these three different styles, anxious, avoidant, and secure. So anxious people are preoccupied with their relationships and tend to worry about their partner's ability to love them back. And that is something that I definitely experienced coming at me. And it wasn't something that I was prepared at the time to emotionally deal with because my tendency was more avoidant. And here's what they have to say about that attachment style. Avoidant people equate intimacy with a loss of independence and constantly try to minimize closeness. And I wouldn't say constantly, but there definitely is a point at which, again, as a recovering avoidant, where I would start to feel like, oh, wait, I need to pull away. I need to push back because I'm starting to feel that loss of independence, right? And I hope that as you're listening to this, you're thinking about your own pattern and you're also thinking about the people that you have dated, people that you've been attracted to, and just see what, if this rings any bells. And then the book, again, secure, they say, secure people feel comfortable with intimacy and are usually warm and loving. So we can take out the warm and loving part because (laughs) people who have more anxious attachment styles, people who have more avoidant attachment styles are still warm and loving. There's this hierarchy that tends to get assigned. And if I do have a criticism of this book, that's probably it, is this idea that we all have to be secure to be, quote unquote, secure to be healthy. (laughs) I actually think that it's fine to be a little bit more anxiously attached or to be a little bit more avoidantly attached as long as you are aware of it and you're not allowing that tendency to go so extreme that now you're alienating your partner. Because what tends to happen oftentimes, especially in dating, is that the more anxiously attached you are, the more drawn you tend to be to people who are avoidantly attached and vice versa. So because avoidantly attached and anxiously attached people are like magnets for each other, because again, they're two sides of the same coin, right? Essentially, we all want intimacy. We all want love. Even the person who is completely incapable of letting anybody in to love them still has that foundational desire for love and has that foundational ability to love because we were all born with that. Now, life happens and lots of things happen that can disconnect us from that love that's within us. And through years and years and years of certain types of experiences, it just starts to become to us like, oh, that's just how it is, right? The people that I love pull away or the people who I love try to, you know, suffocate me and take my independence. And that becomes an expectation, but it doesn't, it's not actually the way it has to work. It's just the way that it has worked in the past. And that's what I think is really powerful about learning about attachment styles is that you can start to understand 
why you were historically and have been attracted to certain dynamics, why certain dynamics have been attracted to you, why certain dynamics work better for you than others. So for instance, if you know that you are very anxious in relationships and in dating, and if you spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what are they thinking and do they like me? And then I said that and all of that sort of overthinking, which can easily happen to everyone in dating because it can easily trigger so much anxiety and insecurity. If that's something that you can relate to, and I think everyone can to some extent, even I can relate to that, okay, even though I identify as being a recovering avoidant. It doesn't mean that I was in control all the time and that I was like, you know, didn't care about what other people thought or felt about me. I think that is one of the misunderstandings about attachment styles. And again, why I don't want people to overly identify with them. People who are more avoidant still have feelings and they might still really, really, really love you. Okay, just like if you think about that strange situation study with the child and the parent leaving the room, it's not that they don't love their parent. It's that they felt very, I don't want to overuse the word traumatized, but there was a level of trauma there, right? There's little T trauma, there's big T trauma, and who knows what it was for each individual child. But the point is that there was an emotion that was triggered there where the lack of safety that they felt by the parent leaving the room caused them to say, well, I need to just take care of myself and not even let this person in to know how much they hurt me. So that is still the same core need for that safety, for that love and that connection as the child who holds on to their parent and won't stop crying, even, you know, no matter how much they're comforted, right? So there are two manifestations of the same core desire to have love and safety, right? Emotional safety, physical safety. And when we feel safe, that's when we are able to open our hearts open up the most. So in dating, when you notice that you have a lack of safety that you're feeling with the people that you're dating, the first question is, well, are these people actually unsafe, right? So how much of this is a tendency that I have to overthink, to project, to worry how much of this is actually a reflection of how this person is showing up for me. It's like the saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. I'm sorry, I was on Survivor. That's something that we say on Survivor. Like, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't actually conspiring to vote you off the island because that's what happened to me twice. So I know I was like, I'm paranoid, but also I think this might be happening. So it's the same thing. You've got to kind of look and say, well, I know that I might have a tendency to be a bit more anxious, but also this person is really not showing up, right? This person is being very inconsistent. And you have to understand that that's going to only trigger more anxiety within you. So if you are dating people who aren't showing up and they're giving kind of more fuel to that fire of like, well, you know, do they or don't they, do they care about me? Don't they care about me? That's going to be an unsettling place to be. And so if you know that you are more anxious in your attachment style, then you do want to focus on people who are more secure in their attachment style, right? So the people who do show up, so the people who do leave you with fewer questions about, well, why did they do that? And do they still like me? And they said that they did, but then they did this other thing, right? Because if you are staying in that dynamic, all that's going to do is trigger more and more anxiety. Same thing. If you know that you are working on being more open, right? You're allowing more love in, you're allowing more intimacy to flourish in your life, and you're ready to move past being more, quote, avoidant in your attachment style. If you are dating people who are highly, highly anxious, then that's going to trigger you and you're going to feel like, oh no, this is happening again, right? Like this person is trying to take my independence, right? 
This doesn't feel safe. So you want to pay attention to yourself and know that in order to grow on your journey of being more securely attached, because I mean, yes, it feels better to be more securely attached, but there is no perfection here. This is not like people, if you take the quiz and you says, oh, that you have a secure attachment style, it doesn't mean you never feel anxious. It doesn't mean you never feel avoidant. Those are all emotions that are part of all of our experiences, which again, which is why I don't want people to overly attach your identity to your attachment style, just to understand, okay, these are some tendencies. This is something for me to be mindful of. And now in dating, in my relationships, I can pay attention to, oh, wow, I do get triggered very easily when X happens. But actually, I know this person loves me and or I know this person is showing up for me. So let me start to develop more ability within myself to regulate my own emotional response, right? So if I need to breathe deeply, if I need to take a step back, if I need to, I can tell you that something that I need in relationships is if I am feeling triggered, I tend to need some time to process that on my own, right? And so I'll even say to my partner and my relationships sometimes, like if I get upset about something and he like kind of wants to talk about things right away. And so this was a part of a communication that we had to have where I had to explain to him over time, like, I love you. I am so here. But at the same time, I have to process how I'm feeling. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. And so now he gets it, right? So this is how we grow in relationships together. You don't have to be perfect. Thank God. Your partner doesn't have to be perfect. Thank God, right? The communication, the self-awareness. And so because I have been able to, and we've been able to establish more safety in our relationship, then I can now probably talk about things sooner than I used to be able to, right? Because I know that I can communicate with him and it's going to be okay, right? And so the point is not that we are ever looking for some perfect finish line where it's like, great, now I'm secure. Now I don't have any issues. Now I'm ready for love. Absolutely not. There are plenty of people in amazing partnerships who have anxious attachment styles, who have avoidant attachment styles, and we make it work because we understand that it is a process, right? It is a process of opening yourself up more and more to receive love and to having more inner resources to know that you can handle it and also to know that it's safe for you to depend on your partner and it's safe for them to depend on you and that you have each other's back. So that is the place where you can start with learning about your attachment style. And even if you're like, oh man, I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be avoided. That's okay. Again, these are just tendencies. It's not who you are. Now is a chance to say, okay, well, what are the choices that I am making that are maybe contributing to me feeling more anxious about dating or contributing to me being more avoidant about dating, right? Or that are causing more of this flip-flop between, uh, sometimes I'm anxious, sometimes I'm avoidant. Just to bring your awareness to that with compassionate curiosity. If you listen to this podcast normally, you know this is something I'm always talking about. I am preaching the gospel of compassionate curiosity all of the time because without being kind and compassionate towards ourselves as we are doing this inquiry, as you're starting to bring this awareness to your own behavior, to your own emotions, if you're doing that with anything less than love, the love of compassion and the energy of curiosity, if you're doing it with shame or with judgment, then it's just really not going to be effective, right? So in addition to not feeling good, that compassionate curiosity is something that I really, really encourage you to cultivate when it comes to your current attachment style and your current attractions and reflecting on, well, who are the three 
people who I've been the most attracted to or the most significant relationships that you've had in recent years? And what was the dynamic between you? Can you see these attachment styles in play? Looking in your life and people in your family, your friend group, you know, who do you see has more of a tendency to be anxious in their relationships, who has a tendency to be more avoidant, who has a tendency to be more secure. And observing that in other people can be really, really helpful to having more understanding about yourself. And it feels better when you understand why you respond to certain things. And that's why I'm always pushing you guys. And in my work as a coach, this is the whole point. It's like we get to the bottom of like, okay, here's where the story is that's causing this behavior. Let's change the story, right? So if the story currently is, I'm only ever attracted to people who are into me and I have to chase them, they always pull back as soon as I start to feel close to them, say, okay, let's bring some curiosity to that. Well, isn't that interesting, right? That that's my pattern. So there must be some part of me that thinks that that's how it has to be, or that's how it should be, or that it isn't safe for me to actually have somebody who is really going to be there and be consistent in their ability to show up for me. So if that's what's going on or part of what's going on, how might I start to change that, right? How might I start to open myself up to a different type of dynamic? How might I start to have boundaries when I see, oh, wait, this is a person who is more anxious and maybe that's pushing me away? How can I communicate more to them, right? How can I meet someone where they are? So this is not about judgment. If you feel that if you're the person who pulls away more and you, you know, you see people who are more anxious, you can still say to someone like, hey, I really like you. And yeah, I have a tendency to pull away a bit, but I'm working on it, right? And I really want to make this work. And please be patient with me. Not to give you a pass to now run off and leave them for the next month and not talk to them, right? So you have to grow as well. But it is a matter of communication because communication can solve so many of these issues that we have in our dynamics in dating and relationships. So, and when you see that someone isn't ready to face their patterns and their attachment styles, and they're not ready to grow, then that's their journey. And it's not a judgment, but it is something for you to recognize. So you can make the choices that are in alignment with what you want. Because if you want love, if you want intimacy, if you want a healthy relationship that lasts, which you can have that is available to you, and that is what you deserve, then it is going to take you making that commitment and starting to show up with that belief and starting to really train yourself to have that awareness of when anything is coming up that's contrary to that, right? Those fears like, okay, no one's ever going to love me. Well, wait a second. Is that really, do I really believe that there's no one on this planet? Do I really believe in a universe where I have this desire for love and intimacy and there's no people that I can fulfill that with? Do I really believe that? Because if you believe that, then it's going to be hard. But if you believe how I believe, which is that love is your birthright, that love is truly abundant, that there are multiple people in this world that you can be happy with, that your intention, that your desire to have a healthy relationship that lasts is so powerful. Because even just setting that intention for yourself, a lot of people don't do that. They wish and they hope that they meet someone. They hope that something works out, but they don't actually set an intention to have a relationship that thrives and that's beautiful and that is healthy and that enhances their lives. Not everyone has that intention. And I really encourage you to set that intention for yourself, to hold that intention for yourself, to educate yourself about what your attachment style is and to get an overview of them because it's helpful but not to take them as destiny, to not take them as identity, to not take them as fate, 
and to know that we are all works in progress. There are no perfect answers when it comes to love. There are no perfect answers when it comes to being human. But we can do better. We can love more. We can open ourselves up to receive more by bringing that awareness, bringing that attention, bringing our courage, right, to this process and never, ever, ever co-signing or adopting a narrative about yourself, about what's possible for you romantically that you do not want. So if you do not want to be, quote, anxiously attached or avoidantly attached, then stop identifying yourself as that. See it as a tendency it is in the pattern that it has been and know that you get to choose differently in the future. Not to oversimplify this, right, but we can also overcomplicate it. So you can go to the psychologists and the therapists who are all into attachment styles if you want to learn more about attachment styles and to really get that perspective on relationships. But my perspective is educate yourself, but don't overly identify with these things because who you are is so beyond what your tendency is in relationships, even if that's been your tendency your whole life. It's not who you are. It's just how you've shown up and you do get to grow and to show up differently in the future if that's what you choose. So I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that this has given you a perspective on attachment styles that maybe you've never had before. Again, I do recommend that you go to the website attachedthebook.com because you can take a quiz and discover what your attachment style is, according to the authors of the book. I have no connection to this book. I'm not making any money by recommending it or recommending that website or anything like that. I'm just putting it out there because it's been helpful to me. It's been helpful to a lot of people that I've worked with, and um, hopefully it can be helpful to you as well. And if you are interested in really setting a strong intention around your love life and or the relationship that you are manifesting, then I do encourage you to check out my 21-day course, How to Date with Intention. And using the promo code DEARFRANNY, you can get a special discount as a listener of this podcast. So check out the show notes. You can also check out my bio on any of the socials. I am Dear Franny on Instagram, on threads now, on all the places. If you go to the link in my bio, you can click right through to how to date with intention. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are in the world. And I thank you. I thank you for your messages. I thank you for your reviews. I thank you for your ratings. I appreciate you so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would share it with a friend who you think would benefit from it as well. All right. Thanks so much. Bye now.